Today on Cyberwork, I spoke with Jasmine Jackson, AppSec engineer, pen tester, educator, and creator of our InfoSec skills course on Linux fundamentals. Find out about her work as coach for the CTF team of the U.S. Cyber Games, why Linux fundamentals are a crucial part of any cybersecurity training, and how she got over her natural hesitation for reverse engineering. That's all today on Cyberwork. Welcome to this week's episode of the Cyberwork with InfoSec podcast. Each week, we talk with a different industry thought leader about cybersecurity trends, the way those trends affect the work of InfoSec professionals, and offer tips for breaking in or moving up the ladder in the cybersecurity industry. Jasmine Jackson shares her passion for information security with presenting and teaching workshops with over 10 years of information security experience. She is currently the Jeopardy-style Capture the Flag coach for the inaugural U.S. Cyber Games. She is also an adjunct professor at Drexel University and City University of Seattle with additional courses with Cyberary. Jasmine has certifications in secure programming, web application pen testing, and cloud security. Jasmine has a master's degree in computer science and a graduate certificate in information security and privacy from the University of North Carolina, Charlotte. Currently, she works as a senior application security engineer for a Fortune 500 company. She has presented her work domestically and internationally for such conferences as the Diana Initiative, Bug Crowd, Blacks in Cybersecurity, and Not PinkCon on topics of mobile security and web application security. Uh, so because we've got so many new learning paths built into our InfoSec skills platform, uh, and because our monthly skills challenges are ramping up, I'm inviting a lot of our InfoSec skills authors onto the podcast to talk about their areas of expertise, uh, where their passion comes from for their subjects, and what they've learned about specific benefits of online skills-based training. So today we're going to be talking Linux with Jasmine. Jasmine, thank you for joining me today and welcome to CyberWork. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Chris. I'm so excited. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you here. So um, I like to start uh, every show, as people know, with uh, getting the story of our guest's cybersecurity journey mm -hmm. in their own words. So how did you first get interested in computers and tech? Uh, and what was the first spark that made you excited about computers, coding, and all the things that you're involved in? So, and it's because my brother told this story to me because I forgot, but in the fifth grade, um, I won a challenge a contest for a computer and I totally mm. forgot that. Wow. And then I, because my story always starts when I'm 14 with my first job, um, access to software for all people. It was a nonprofit. I'm originally from California, Bay okay. Area, Berkeley, California. And so at this nonprofit, it was for any inner city kids to expose them to technology. Mm. And so that was initially, that's where my story starts. I always start when at 14, but okay. my, as I said, my brother reminded me uh, some years ago, he was like, do you remember that contest where you won the computer in the fifth grade? And I'm like, wow. no, I totally forgot that. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's, yeah, it, it, that's funny. But as I said, my story starts at 14 with my first job. Okay, love it. Uh, so what was, uh, how did you win the, the computer and what kind of computer was it? It was a Macintosh, I believe. Okay. And I believe it was a Scholastic contest. Was, okay. Yeah. So it was, I was the top of the class and I've done the 
computer. So yeah. Love it. But it was like I had totally forgot about it. <laughs> I totally forgot about it. That's awesome. <laughs> Do you remember what, what you like what you first did when you got the computer? What you started like digging um, into? So at that time, so again, so in the fifth grade, I think it was more so playing games on it. So because oh, yeah. it was like, yeah, that's that was all that I really wanted to do again yeah. when I 14 when I started my job at ASAP or Access to Software for All People. Um, that's when I really got started into tech, doing like web design, you know, with HTML and database right. and things of that nature. I really didn't start programming until honestly, until I went to college, you know, okay. after I graduated high school. So yep. it's actually funny because it's, you know, um when when, you know, I meet people, you know, in computer science and then and they're like, I've been programming since I was like five. Right. And I was like, I didn't start programming till I was 18, 17, 18. Yeah. So it was just like something, you know, I wasn't ex- exposed to. And, you know, I'll, that's one of the reasons, you know, that I love teaching so much is, mm. you know, exposing students, you know, yeah. you know, exposing them to concepts that I didn't have. So, you know, that's one of my passions for teaching. Right. And I know I love that. And I also think it's important to for people to know that, you know, you're not you're not behind if you haven't been right. coding since you were five years right. old. You know, we have people who right. start right. in their 50s and their 40s and their 20s and yeah. their 10s. And it's all, yeah. it's all it's all valid. So um, so as we mentioned in the bio, you've had a, a pretty good number of different full time jobs, mm-hmm. projects and consultancies. Can you mm-hmm. tell us about your path from your computer science degrees in college to where you are now? I mean, I see some some DevOps, some AppSec, yeah. some security engineering work and some teaching like what? was what, what okay. what's your what's your career path been like so far okay so i'll give you the short version i'll try okay. to keep it as short as i can so okay. i graduated with my master's so i moved to charlotte north carolina in 2009 graduated with my master's in computer science in 2011 a graduate certificate in information security and privacy um and then i started working for an investment firm in charlotte north carolina at that time i was an application developer using pl so SQL, so procedural language, procedural language, SQL, so marrying the two of like functions and variables with SQL queries. I did that for about a year. Um, it's uh, when I tell people what I was doing, they always cringe because it was like, yeah, I was repairing like pr- I was repairing production data, and they're like, wait, oh. what? Like you're not supposed to touch produ- production data, and it's like, yeah, I was like. Yeah, changing it daily. And they're like, okay, like, wow. yeah, so that's a whole, that's a, yeah, that's a different, I, I can, yeah, that's a different story. Okay. Um, so I did that for about a year. And then I moved into a full stack developer position. I did that for about three years. But in that time, I was always interested in security. So when I was 16, still working for ASAP in California. I stumbled, I'm going to reveal my age, but I stumbled onto a Yahoo group on cryptography. Right. And I was like, oh, wow, this is so cool. You know, you have like this message and then you could scramble it to the naked eye. And then it's like, you know, to the outside observer, it just looks like, like gibberish. And then you could right. transform it back to the original message, you know, so then in the beginning, I was like, oh, I'm going to be like a crypto analyst, a cryptographer, because, you know, bachelor's in um, 
computer science, a minor in mathematics. So I was like, okay, that was the path I was going to go. Then it was like, well, I did like cryptography. I was like, eh, I, you know, if, I was like, I don't see myself doing this. I'm right. not passionate about it. Right. So okay. I was like, no. So in 2012, skipping up 2012, I started my blog at the time for pen testing, but I have since changed to the fluffy 007 which is my handle on all social media okay and so um but if you type in passion for pen testing it'll just reroute you to the fluffy 007 gotcha. so um so i started my blog because it was like i was interested in security since i was 16 and then i learned about penetration testing and i was like oh wow this seems interesting you know i'm nosy i'm a nosy person i'm a curious person so i was like oh this is great like you know you hack into things and you find things and you know it, it yeah. seems great right and but it was like i was applied for jobs but i would always get the auto generated rejection letter right because mm. i didn't have certifications okay i didn't have experience so mm. i started my blog like out parts frustration mainly frustration and then a portfolio so what i started to do was i started to solve capture the flag challenges and post it on my website and because it's and you know and i will apply for the jobs and then i would tell the prospective employer like go to my website you know this is my experience right mm-hmm. so at that time still working as a, a full stack developer still at this investment firm at um spoke with my manager because it was just like we had a one-on-one and he was just like i could tell you do not want to be a developer he's like i'm talking to you and he's like you're just stoic he was like i could tell you're not passionate about it and he was like mm-hmm. when we talk about security he was like your eyes up. he was like i can tell this is your passion i can tell this yes. is what you want to do you know i'm gonna help you get there so then and you know he kept his promise so i you know i had to give him that so what he did he started putting me in special projects so one of them he was like okay he was like i voluntold you into like you're going to be a volunteer of you know repairing um vulnerabilities in the java project um for this company so how hmm. it worked was the company will hire a third-party penetration consulting company. They will come, do their engagement, provide the report, you know, here's your vulnerabilities, you know, they were provided to the project manager of said application. The project manager will assemble the volunteers who, I was one of them. We will go, you know, remediate the um, vulns and then, you know, push it to production and all the things, right? So okay. I did that for a year while I was still a full stack developer. Okay. So then after the year, you know, senior management was like, wow, she's like really excited and she really, really likes it. So then I became the project manager of said special projects. So then I was in charge of the vulnerabilities, you know, um, after the um, consulting company, I would take it, assemble the volunteers, you know, help them remediate, push it to production, meet with senior management, close the vulnerabilities. So I did that for another year. I finally transitioned to the security team at the investment firm and I was doing like security automation. So at that time, the company was moving to a DevOps model. So helping teams creating automated security test cases and authorization, authentication and cross-site request forgery. 
I should say our cross-site request forgery was very rudimentary because mm-hmm. we were checking the header flag, no, the referrer flag. And as you know, that can be easily spoofed. So I okay. should say this was like in 2016. So it was very, very rudimentary. Did that for about a year. Then I left the company, started working at a bank, you know, because Charlotte, you know, the banks is, is king. So started okay. working at the <laughs> bank. And I was a penetration tester full time hmm. using automated tools such as IBM AppScan, HP WebInspect, doing manual, you know, penetration testing. Did that for about two, uh, two, uh, two years, two and a quarter. Okay. Then moved to a fintech company still in Charlotte and um, was an intermediate application security engineer. It was myself and the senior application engineer. And we was responsible for like 80 application teams. So it was like whatever they, all problems came to the both of us. And it was, I learned a lot at that company. Actually, I really liked it. It had like a startup feel. It was great. Hmm. And then Mm -hmm. now I'm at a Fortune 500 company as a senior application security engineer. So as I said, I, I was going to try to keep it short, but it's, it's kind of, yeah. Yeah. So, and in between that, like at the bank, I started teaching like library and all the things. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. And, uh, well, that, uh, there was something you said in there that, that makes, that leads nicely into my next question. Yeah. You said that, uh, early on that, you know, you were not getting called back because yeah. your, re- your resume was sort of, uh, you know, being gatekeepered because yes. you didn't have certs and didn't have yeah. experience. So what are, what are your thoughts on certification and cert study? Cause we, we get a wide range of answers from guests yeah. based, you know, ranging from it's unimportant as long as you can demonstrate the skills to completely crucial in all ways. So where do you see certs as fitting into the modern cybersecurity la- landscape, especially as regards to attempting to rapidly upskill and place yeah. people in cybersecurity I- amidst the so-called skills gap. I'm in the middle. It's like, I believe certs are important, but I also believe that you need to demonstrate the skill as well, right? Right. Because Mm -hmm. it's like, you can't just have the certs. You can't just pass the test and then believe that's going to be enough because cybersecurity is very much hands-on. You're very much going to be yes application, right? So it's like, you can pass a test and then you get into position and then it's like, hey, we need you to do this engagement and you're looking like, what's an engagement? And it's in, you know, your employer is looking like, we're looking at your resume and you're saying you have all these certs. What are you talking about, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't match. So I'm in, I'm in the middle. It's like, it's important. The certs are important, but you yes. also need to have real world experience. But right. my thing is you touched on the, the key point of gatekeeping. Like, if mm-hmm. that's what grinds my gears is I see yeah. a lot of cybersecurity positions and, you know, some of these certs that they're asking for, for entry level, even, you know, when I started in 2012, you know, really, and it was like, you know, some of these certs and I'm like, these are not entry level certs. Like I know people who are very passionate, want to get into the field and they're frustrated because Mm -hmm. they're like the same thing, you know, close to 10 years later, I'm being auto rejected. No one is giving me a chance. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we're talking about, we have a pipeline problem. There's no pipeline problem. There's a gatekeeping problem. That's the problem. That's the issue. You know, the issue is there's a gatekeeping problem. There's an issue of, companies or HR a breakdown of communication of what you really want. And it's like, you know, you're meeting with someone and they're writing these 
job descriptions and it doesn't match what you're looking for because it's yeah. been in positions where I've done positions and it's like the job description says one thing and you do the position and it's something totally different. And it's mm-hmm. like, what are you, what is this? Right? Yeah. 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 I have that cert and I don't even, I didn't even need to use it for right. that job. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really, that's really interesting. And I, and I don't know what, what the, what the, the, the blockage is because we've been seeing it for so many years now. I don't understand right. why um, they think they're going to get better candidates with, you know, just because they have all these, you know, cause it's also, you know, you, you, you meet the people who are also, too. who are also sort of inveterate cert collectors who just who get all the certs yeah. but they haven't done anything with them you know so it's like that, is that the person you want on your team yes yes mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. and i mean i've interviewed people before and, and the same thing you i've i've interviewed people with a host of i call it the alphabet soup like yeah. all these certs behind <laughs> yeah. them right and you interview yeah. them and you just ask them simple questions and they're like oh i don't do that and it's like excuse me and they're <laughs> like no that's you know that's a junior levels position and it's like Oh, uh-huh. no, what are you talking about? And they're wow. like, or you know, I, you know, the tools, the tool tells me that. But mm-hmm. again, these tools are programmed, like you know, a SAS or a DAS tool, well, a SAS tool and a DAS tool. You well, you know, these tools, some of them are signature based. So it's right. like if it doesn't fit a nice, pretty formula. It is either not going to find it, and it could be critical. It could be a vulnerability, or it's mm-hmm. going to flag it, and it's not a, a it's not an issue. Yeah. So it's like so you have to use deductive reasoning skills to actually yeah. figure that out. You can't just rely on the tool one hundred percent. But yeah, but the main issue is a gatekeeping, and the gatekeeping yes. is using the certs, which is unfortunate because I know so many people who are like. I really want to get into cybersecurity and we're losing key talent, right? Key people, key talent, big brains of solving these issues, solving these problems with honestly something that's so trivial and so stupid. Okay. And I mean, with most companies, most companies have an education budget. If if the person doesn't have a cert, you have an education budget, just them. And and with, with cybersecurity, you're going to have to train your talent. Okay. Mm-hmm. No one is going to come off the street knowing everything that you need for your particular company. You're going to have to train them. So it's like just looking at this, you know, with all the smart people, it's like the problem is really stupid and it's actually infuriating because it's so stupid and it can be fixed so easily. And yeah. it's just like, I think it's more so ego that yes. people don't want to fix it. Can you sort of walk me through your your sort of ideal uh, version of like a job description that sort of gets past this gatekeeping? Like what instead of asking for certs as a, a measure yeah. of knowledge, like what when you're writing a job description uh, for someone that you want to hire, what uh, what would you sort of put in that would help you to attract the kind of people that you want to have in your Yeah. Position? So my job description, I would actually it would be in three parts. I would. So the first part would be, I would ask them what experience that they had at a website, a YouTube, just anything, just any tangible experience, open source. That's why I tell a lot of perspective, open source, right? Open source projects. Trust me, there's, a, if you go open, if you speak with the lead at an open source project, they will not turn you down. They have so much yeah. work. They will yes. be like, thank you. Come, right? <laughs> yeah. So. Like just any projects, because that to me, that shows initiative, that shows passion, mm-hmm. right? You can't 
buy initiative. You can't buy that. So that shows yes. me that, you know, you. So that would be number one. Number two um, is. Um, so the it, um, a portfolio. Number two would be okay. like the interview. You know, where do you see yourself? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and then three, the search, I would see if you have the search, but it wouldn't be super crucial. That would be at the bottom of the list. Right. Or if or if it's something where you really need to know it's optional. This it's very, optional. Or you need to know this very specific thing for yeah, this specific and job. It would yeah, be like, yeah. But I would it would be very it would be explicitly stated optional. And if you do not have it, we yeah. will train you. And not as heavily weighted as actual experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in your opinion, what are the cybersecurity skills that are most in demand at this moment and, and which are most likely to accelerate your career? Like what, what skills are people overlooking in their studies and preparation as we were some of the research study? I would say cloud. I see a lot mm-hmm. of cloud. I see a lot of like data science. I, okay. I haven't really touched that, but I do see a lot of data science and also some of like the fundamentals, like, you know, I'm piggybacking, piggybacking off of my class, Linux mm-hmm. fundamentals, right? Yeah. Because even with my, um, when I was in the beginning of my career, the app, the developer, um, so the position I was in was production support. So I was supporting a product that was already in production and any issues, you know, my team will handle it. But it was like, you know, going on servers. I was a Windows. I have a PC, you know, Mm -hmm. I really wasn't too familiar. Like I knew basic things of Linux, but not a lot. But that job really taught me a lot because in industry, you know, you have Windows, but most industry servers are Linux. Right. <laughs> so, you, yeah. so you need to be comfortable with the command line. Like that's, you know, yep. it, while you know, cloud and data science, all of these things are sexy, right? You know, the new sexy terms, but you need to know the basics. You need to know the fundamentals and that, yep. you know, like the scripting and things that those things will never go wrong, never yeah. steer you wrong, steer you wrong wherever you go, because you will be using that in some facet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it's like learning languages, like you have to yeah. start with the dog walked across the street before you can get to the sort of philosophy of, you know, <laughs> right. or something. Um, so, yeah, let's let's talk about that since you, you know, um, you've got a long list of skills and achievements, but I, I specifically want to talk about your infosec skills path covering Linux, Linux fundamentals. Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously the, it's right in the name. So but what what will uh, students learn from your Linux fundamentals class? And I know it's Linux, Linux fundamentals. Yes. What does that mean? exactly? Yeah, no. So so my class. So how I teach my classes, I teach them for the absolute beginner. So going back to when I started my blog, it was, I read other blogs and it was, you know, when I was starting out, I was reading some of them and reading them, it was like um, the, it was like an implicit, implicitness that, you know, you had to have like this grand knowledge, right? So, Mm -hmm. and I, you know, while that was good, I was like, "Ah, I'm going to approach it for like the absolute beginner. So that's how I do like my blog posts and like my teaching. So it's like my teaching starts from like ground zero and build yourself up. So it's like by the end of my, I assume you have never 
done anything with Linux, like or virtualization software. Okay. Because that's what we use virtual machines. Yep. Um, Mint Linux. So um, so I use V um VirtualBox, which you can use VMware or whatever virtualization you want to use. But okay. I make an assumption like students have done none of those things and I walk you through that. So in the course, Great. you know, you do the command line. You know, we do a, we touch a little bit of security, of course. You know, we do a little bit of scripting, a little bit of networking. So by the end of the course, you're not going to be a Linux master. Okay. But you will be, but by the end of the course, you should be able to move around in the Linux operating system and have a good, a good working knowledge of how to move around. That's, yeah. you know, that's, you know, if it's like, okay, I need, of course, I'm at this job and I need something to just get me up and running really quickly. That's how yep. I designed this course. Nice. Okay. So, yeah, you're not going to be scared of the command line anymore yeah. after your class. <laughs> um, so uh, you you sort of you sort of touched on this before, but just to uh, unpack it a little more, what, is, what, what does a solid background in, in Linux fundamentals unlock for you? And what are some aspects of cybersecurity that are harder or impossible without a solid grasp of Linux? Oh, so I mean, Linux is pretty much used everywhere. So mm-hmm. I touched that in the beginning of the introduction of my course. Like I like it's used in space. Like when I did the research, it was used. It's used in space. I didn't know that it, it used in Hollywood. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, IoT devices. It's pretty much you know your Fire Stick. Everything you use pretty much is using Linux. So and like I said, in enterprise, if you're working at a you know working at a company, you know you're probably you're going to be touching Linux at some point. So it's like you're going to need to know how to how to use it. The command, I was like that at the beginning of my career. You know, as I said, I used Windows, really wasn't comfortable with the command line. It will hinder you so much, especially in security, right? Because in security, you're going to be, there's certain things you can't do on the GUI, the graphical user interface. interface. There's certain things you cannot do and you're going to have to use the command line. So it's like, while it seems daunting and scary, it's like once you get comfortable with it, there's some things it's just like, I'll just do it on the command line it, right. because it's just easier and faster. Nice. Okay. That's great. I, and, and, and since so much of this show is about sort of taking away basic fear of, of mm-hmm. where to get started, I think uh, mm-hmm. hopefully our listeners are hearing this is like a really, really great place to mm-hmm. sort of get started in, in terms of like feeling comfortable in the mm-hmm. space and so forth. So once, once students have taken and passed your, your Linux fundamentals Skills path. What are some next steps you would recommend them, you know, to go in in different directions? Like once they have a comfort comfort with the command line, what what's the next thing? Whether it's a skills course or whether it's something else, but like, what what do you do with that next? What do you do to sort of build on that foundation? Yeah. So as I said, so like my this so the last three modules of my class, like the security, networking, and scripting, those are just primers. And I can okay. say that they're just quick primers. So each of those modules are its own separate classes. And okay. you and I would say pretty much do after my class, do those three modules, especially scripting, right? Because I only mm. touch on I just scratched the surface on scripting. So it's like definitely scripting. That will be something to definitely delve deep into networking and um, 
Linux is something to delve deep into and security, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If you want to do pen testing or whatever, it's like that's something to delve deep into um, because it's like, you know, um, like the um, pseudo and like um, the SUID and all of those things and, you know, escalation of privileges and cron cron jobs and everything of those natures of how you can exploit yeah, that's a separate topic of its own. And okay. I touched on that a little and I said that I'm like, I'm only touching on this a little bit, but these are its own separate topics, you okay. know, its own separate courses. Right. OK, so you're you've 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 left. So in your class, you sort of left openings where it's like, if you're interested yeah. in this, keep going this way. Yeah. If you're interested in this, keep going this way. Oh, okay. right. Nice. Um, so uh, based on, you know, you've you've done a lot of different kind of education. Mm-hmm. You've given a lot of different kind of education. What are the, some benefits to skills based education and training above other things like more formal long term education paths that people might not be aware of? With skills based, I mean, for me, I'm a kinesthetic learner, so I learn by doing. So yeah. um, so I'm, you know, again, I've done both. Right. I have mm-hmm. a master's. I have a master's to prove it. Sure. I've done the skills based. But for me, it's like I'm a lifelong learner. So for me, skills based helps with that portion of my personality. Plus, it, I'm a kinesthetic learner and I can apply what I've learned. Right. Right. So again, if you want a quick way to uh, actually apply the knowledge that you're learning Mm -hmm. skills based will give you that because, you know, it's short, you know, short, you know, chunks, tangible chunks with projects, quizzes to reinforce the learning um, and those things. So it's, it's really good. Nice. Uh, now, uh, one of the things that we, you know, I, I think this mm-hmm. is sort of human nature, but without a professor assigning weekly tasks, it might be hard to stay on track to meet your mm-hmm. learning objectives. Do you have any tips for helping lifelong learners stay focused on training when there's not sort of a deadline? Yeah. Yeah. I, I've actually failed victim to this too. What yeah. I, you know, what I do is I, um, I use my calendar and I have like a set uh, um I set a a reminder every week for a Mm. deadline and it's just like, Hey, you have to get your assignment done by like 10 PM on Sunday. Right. And the first time you miss, because I've missed, you're going to miss it. Right. The first time it's going to be like, Oh crap, my assignment. I missed it. But then (laughs) once you miss it, the first, then you remember, Oh, I have the assignment and it's due on Sunday and it kind of keeps you on track. I also would say do not wait to the last minute to try to cram and do everything. I've done that as well. You do not retain. So I would say do little chunks every day. Even if it seems like you're not retaining, I would say probably do like a video, um, a video and a quiz every day, right? And just do small manageable chunks instead Mm -hmm. of like, I'm going to start at 9.30 on Sunday and I'm just going to (laughs) whiz All day long. Yeah, right, right. right. No, you're not going to retain. (laughs) No, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, you turn the the bathtub on, like you're Mm -hmm. not, it's, the water's not going to get warm if you turn it off, you know, like you just got to keep it running in your, every single day in your head, you're thinking about it. Um, so, um, I think that's, that's really good advice and I hope people uh, take, take you up on that. So um, I'm, I want to ask you about the U S cyber games and your role as yeah. coach for the capture the flight competitions. How, how does the competition work and what do you do as your team's coach? So, um, uh, so, 
as the coach. Um, so there's six categories. And okay. so there's web exploitation, crypto cryptography, surprise, surprise, reconnaissance, networking, forensics, and reverse engineering. Okay, Ooh, I got all six. Okay. <laughs> I forget one. Right. So it's like um it's an international um competition with other countries oh, wow. and yeah so going next june um to athens greece to compete so wow. that's yeah so it's a the first esports um cybersecurity competition so Holy it's cow. like yeah so meeting um so we just finished the combine, which is like over the summer, had the athletes, you know, do those six different um, topics over the summer, you know, prepping them and everything are um, the draft is on October 5th. Okay. <laughs> so oh, uh, that's right around the corner pick. here. Yes. That's where we pick the athletes that will represent the United States mm. um, in Greece. So, yeah, that's October 5th. And yeah, so it's like, you know, we're going to Greece representing the United States as the first esports for international um, for information security. And it's and it's similar to what I was saying right earlier with the skills base, because, you know, with the athletes, you know, um, some of the athletes weren't exposed to some of the topics that we uh, that were taught. Right. Okay. You know, just seeing them at the end of the combine and it's just like, oh, wow, you know, I was afraid of doing reverse engineering. And now, you know, it's not so bad and I've learned a lot. Right. And that's what it's about, you know, the teaching and things of that nature. And that is the problem that I see with cybersecurity. And it's just Sorry, because I can go on, go on. I'm going to go on the beach. So, but, oh, do it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, but you know, earlier with the gatekeeping, because yep. it's like, it's not a gatekeeping problem. It's like, you know, um, going back to the skills is because it's like, we need to employ, employ people because there are people that are hungry that want to show their skill. Yeah. And it's like, if we're closing the door in their face, because, you know, they don't fit the criteria, whatever mm-hmm. this, you know, narrow criteria is, we're losing yeah. out on key talent. Yeah. Can you, can you talk a little bit about like how team members or, you know, members mm-hmm. of the U S team are chosen and, and what you would, you know, I'm sure there's people in the audience who are listening right now who are like, Oh my God, that sounds great. I'd love to do that. Like what, what, what is, what kind of experience set do they need if they, if they don't need specific qualifications, what, what should so, they have been doing? Well, to get to this point? Yeah. So, well, I can't tell you how it's selected. So that's top secret. Yeah. Sure, sure. So, yeah, but I can <laughs> oh, tell come you, on. You can tell yeah, us. No, I can't that's tell right. you. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, but I, what I can say is that, um, the next, um, essentially how it works, how it worked and how it's going to work again. I think the next, um, the next draft is in March, 2022. So how it works is there's a CTF that's going to be open. The website is uscybergames.com. And so what's going to happen is, you know, a CTF is going to be open and you're going in the six, in the six areas that I described, web exploitation, cryptography, reconnaissance, forensics, networking, and reverse engineering. And you're going to complete the CTF. Um, and then after that, 
you know, if everything looks good, you will be selected for the combine. And mm. that's the combine is where you'll meet the other athletes and, you know, we'll delve deeper into the different domains that I described and, yep. you know, work with your potential teammates. And then you will be selected. And then after that, further, you know, further drilling down and preparing you for when we compete um, this um, the this year, it will be in Athens. Next, the next go around, it will be somewhere else. Yep. To be TBD, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's how it works. And it was I. I really want. Oh, the age um, right now is eighteen to twenty six. Okay. Um, for the age, you do not need to be in college. Mm. Right. So that's another thing because I'm sure people are like, "Well, I'm not in college. You don't need to be in college to Great. apply. As long Love as you're it. 18 to 26, you need um, you can apply for this." Um, we yes, uh, you know, everyone. You know, it doesn't matter. You know what you are as long as you're 18 to 26. Yep. Come and apply, and nice. you know, we want you. You know, we want your brain, and you know, we want you know, we want you to compete and see you know and see what you can do. I want to watch this. This sounds cool. Uh, do, you, yeah. do you do you create capture the flag puzzles yourself? I have I had to. So I created capture the flag puzzles for the um, um, biohacking village. Um, okay. So I created the mobile challenges for the biohacking village. Uh, biohacking village. So that's fun because I've yeah. played so many, and I always thought it was like the wizard and like this really you know secret coveted thing, right? Yeah, and I was like, oh my god, it takes so much work to create CTF challenges. I don't think I can do it. I'm not worthy, right? So then I started <laughs> doing it, and yeah, it's so fun. So I'm starting to do it, starting to get my feet wet into that. But it's it's really fun. I like it. I love it. Uh, did you ever what's what's the most intriguing CTF puzzle you ever solved or designed? Where the solution made you go, wow, that was so cool. So honestly. Was I would say um, I did a Pico CTF with Carnegie Mellon, okay. and it was a reverse engineering because I did I I completed one reverse um, assembly class in undergrad close to twenty years ago, okay. and it was just like doing reverse engineering. It is not my thing because it's like is it little Indian? Is it big Indian? Do I need to flip? Like mm-hmm. it's just so much, right? Yeah. And, everyone, and it's so funny because like one of the coaches is like, but you do web. And he's like, there's so many categories, but I'm like, web is fun. Web is life. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, so I would say um, it was a reverse engineering challenge and it was, um, it was, it wasn't super difficult, but it was like turning like the code into like from the assembly to like a higher level language from like that to like Java or C plus plus or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it was it was affirming for me because I was like me in reverse engineering. We do not get along with like we're like oil and water. <laughs> and in the beginning, I had like closed my mind off to right. reverse engineering. Okay, and that's another thing. It's like when you're learning, you have to have an open mind, right? Because yeah. if you close your mind off, you're not going to learn. You're not going to retain. So it's like 
you know, I was like, well, let me try because I, you know, when I do CTFs, I just ignored the reverse engineering because I was like, I'm not good at this. This, okay. you know, I'm going to get frustrated. But I was like, well, let me try. Let me see. And I and I did it and I solved it. And I was like, oh, well, this is and I, you know, solve, you know, a few more. But it's like you have to have an open mind. Nice. Okay. And, and I imagine that felt great to, to yeah. sort of, cause you not, not only just solving the puzzle, but, but sort of getting over a fear that you had that way. Right. Yeah. I think that's probably a, a good thing for these kind of CTF things anyway. Mm-hmm. And um, so as we wrap up today, uh, Oh, sorry, go ahead. What were you saying? Yeah. I was going to say, and like CTFs are, mm-hmm. I have learned so much information Okay. with CTFs. Like yeah. if, if, like if you're new to the field and you're like, I don't know how to get started. I don't know how to show my skill, mm-hmm. even with CTFs that have been solved. Right. Because that was something that I yeah. it was like this CTF has already been solved. But like I tell people, you have your own sauce. You know, people. Yeah. no one is going to think like Chris. That's... No one is going to think like Jasmine. Right. Right. So you want to put your own spin to it. And it's like, even though a million people have solved the challenge. No one is going to solve the challenge like you. Yeah. So, you, and it's like, and it might, might find a completely different way. After, yeah. Someone might come after you and they might've been stuck and they read your blog post or look at your TikTok or YouTube. And it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, the light bulb goes off uh-huh. and they understand. But I would say definitely do CTFs, def, gaming. That's something else mm. with the cyber games, gamification, you know, with learning yeah. because, mm-hmm. and I'm a gamer. So that's, you know, actually learn and retain. CTFs are really great in that regard because you just learn a lot, right? Because you have, it's like this, um, you're in like this time constraint, you know, all these different subjects, you research. And, you know, for a learner like me, I'm just in my element. I'm just like, oh yes, let's go, let's go, let's go. And you just learn a lot. And you can take it back to your job. Because I mean, I know like some people who were like, yeah, I did this CTF and, you know, oh, I saw this at a job or, you know, this or that. So, it's, yep. you know, it's good. We had um, um, one of our guests was Ning Wang from Offensive Security, and she mm-hmm. was saying that, too, that, that capture the flags are so important, but also mm-hmm. that, like, there's not flags in the real world. Like, you're doing a CTF right. to learn to learn the process. It doesn't matter if you win it or not. It's like the process you do along yes, the way. the journey. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, totally. Um, and I'll, uh, you mentioned blogs and things. I also mm-hmm. want to give a little shout out to our own uh, InfoSec resources site because we have a couple mm-hmm. of writers who do uh, capture the flag walkthroughs of old mm-hmm. bone hubs. And, and as you said, they're all solved. But, uh, you know, if you're stuck on it, it's great to have a, yeah. you know, a crib sheet there. So yeah. folks who are thinking about this, go go check it out. We got we got literal hundreds of them. So um, as we wrap up today, uh, I just want to ask, where do you see cybersecurity education going in the years to come uh, with more time being currently spent at home with laptops and good wi-fi do you see career learning changing demonstrably in the next decade i i do i definitely because when i you know when i was doing the education it was pretty much like you know you went to like a a hotel or you went to a conference and you did the you know um training there but you know with like the pandemic and everything you know everything I definitely see that continuing. Mm-hmm. And um, I definitely do see, I believe that at some point I, it will be hybrid and it will be more so up to the consumer if they want to do remote or if they want to come in. 
right? If mm-hmm. they actually want to go on site and it would be right. up to the consumer and the employer. But I, but before it was pretty much like you had to be on site. You had, it was on prem, but yes. yeah, we're moving. We had to move from that right now because of the pandemic, but I definitely see that continuing mm-hmm. after the pandemic as well. Yeah. Uh, all right. So as we wrap up today, what's, what's next for you, uh, Jasmine? And if our listeners want to know more about you, Jasmine Jackson, and your many other activities, where can they go online? Okay, so my handle is the fluffy 007, T-H-E-F-L-U-F-F-Y-007 on all social media. Um, Love it. So that's, you know, you can reach me there. Um, What's next for me? I currently, um, I'm an author now. So, oh, wow. uh, Yes. Want to talk about that? Yeah, so um, the editor, Christina Morello, um, mm-hmm. uh, defined, uh Techie Girl, let me, hold on, let me make sure I get her handle correct on um, Twitter. Yeah, Divine Techie Girl, yes. Um, okay. She is the editor in chief. So she um, did a post on Twitter and was like, hey, I'm writing this book with O'Reilly. I'm the editor for like 97, you know, you know, what are some of the things for like, you know, InfoSec hopefuls or, you know, if you can tell someone um, who wanted to get into the InfoSec field, you know, what would you tell them? Mm -hmm. So I contributed two articles. Yeah. So the first one is pen testing why isn't it like the movies so and i talk about like <laughs> yes. how it's so sexy in the movies and right. how it is in real life and then the second is like how many um ingredients does it take to make an infosec professional and then mm. talk about some of the things that. that you know are key you know that prospective info, um, information security professionals should have so the ebook should be available on o'reilly media and i believe the print will be available in three to four weeks okay. so there's that also still doing the teaching um the adjunct teaching um still work at the fortune 500 company also um still um i mentioned a little bit with the biohacking you know um so mm-hmm interested in like medical security so like okay. still hacking medical devices and things of that nature i like to say i like to hack all the things so sure i'm um, still <laughs> doing that um um working on building my youtube presence because okay. i have a youtube but it's like you know i go all in and then i stop and then it's like consistency so i need to work on that so i'll be working on Dang. that some more and yeah that's yeah so um so youtube is also little... the fluffy 007 yes okay yes Great. everything is yes Check so, it out, everybody. yes so yeah that that's that's a little about me so that will keep me busy for sure Great. And that'll keep our listeners busy uh, getting to know you a little better. So, Jasmine, thank you for your time today. This was so much fun. Thank you. I hope your listeners have learned a lot. And yes, if you have any questions, definitely reach out to me. I will respond um, usually in a day, but I do respond. You heard her, folks. Go, go, go say hi. Uh, so thank you again to Jasmine. And as always, thank you to everyone who is listening to our podcast at home, listening at work or listening at work from home. New episodes of the Cyberwork podcast are available every Monday at 1 p.m. Central, both on video at our YouTube page and on audio wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. I'm also excited to announce that our InfoSec Skills platform will be releasing a new challenge every month 
with three hands-on labs to put your cyber skills to the test. Each month, you'll build new skills ranging from secure coding to penetration testing to advanced persistent threats and everything in between. Plus, we're giving away more than $1,000 worth of prizes each month. Go to infosecinstitute.com challenge and get started right now. Thank you once again to Jasmine Jackson, and thank you all so much for watching and listening. We'll speak to you next week. How about some free cybersecurity training resources for you and your team? Just go to infosecinstitute.com slash free to get eBooks, training guides, and more than 100 cybersecurity training courses, all free for cyber work listeners. Go to infosecinstitute.com slash free and start learning crucial new skills today.